Do you regularly assess the uterosacral ligament in your clients? If your clients are complaining of irritation of the bladder, urethra, or pelvic floor muscles, you might want to consider doing so. In today's podcast, I highlight the importance of the uterosacral ligament. Hello, friends. This is Lynn Schulte, and you are listening to the Birth Healing Summit podcast. We are here for meaningful conversations that will transform the way you work with pregnant and postpartum clients. Whether it is a new perspective, tool, or technique, you'll be able to implement it into your practice today. I invite you to sit back, listen with an open mind, and grab the golden nugget today's guest has to offer. Now let's get started. Welcome everybody, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the uterosacral ligament and reviewing um, some of the anatomy and physiology of the ligament, and then talking about the experiences I've had in my practice when uh, treating the uterosacral ligament. So we want to um, understand that the structure of the ligament contains many multiple different aspects of tissue. So it's collagen. It has smooth muscle in it. It has nerves that run through it, uh, blood vessels and lymphatics. Um, The most important piece that I um, remember and find so fascinating about the uterosacral ligament is the inferior hypogastric plexus swims through the medial aspect of the uterosacral ligament. And that plexus innervates the uterus, the vagina, the bladder, and the urethra. And I have found that when um, my clients have um, a lot of sensitivity to any of those structures, I first start treating the uterosacral ligament externally. Um, And I find that sometimes that can calm things down. And if I can get internally without creating pain, then I go to, I've just numerous times in my practice, as I'm trying to reach for and treat the uterosacral ligament internally, and I do my assessment and, and my clients are like, yeah, that's, that's really tender. That's, uh, that's sore. Um, yeah, I can really feel that, uh, irritation of the tissues. And then when I treat the uterosacral ligament and I go back and I try those areas out and they're like, no, it feels fine now. So that inferior hypogastric plexus is, is so key when we have irritated tissues intravaginally and we can release or help that uterosacral ligament balance out on both sides, it really can change the irritation of the tissues of the bladder, of the urethra, of just the whole vaginal vault itself. So please keep that in mind. Um, uh, Also, if there's painful contractions, that can be um, a sign that, um, that the uterosacral ligament is not happy. Um, and if we can balance those uterosacral ligaments out, then the contractions can be more normal. (laughs) Um, and I just have, since I've, uh, interviewed Rachel Shapiro for the, uh, birth healing summit, Last, or this past year, or no, it was last year. So in 2022, she talked about the uterosacral ligament and it, um, just having that greater understanding and knowledge of the anatomy and, and the insertions or attachment points 
of that ligament has really transformed the results I'm getting with my clients. So um, talking about where it attaches in, um, the there was a study in 2021 that showed us that uh, in 33% of people, there's a posterior lateral part of the cervix is where one side of the ligament attaches in. But in 66%, it's the connection point between the cervix and the vaginal wall. Um, so that means if uh, it's attaching in there, if we are intravaginally, we may not actually be able to appreciate um, the, the ligament internally, but you're going to appreciate it where the cervix meets the vaginal wall. Um, and so in 4% of the people, the ligament inserts into the upper one third of the posterior vaginal wall. Um, and in some, it's not attached to the uterus at all. And so that would mean that the cardinal ligament is the main support system for um, these clients, these people that have it not attaching into the uterus at all. And so uh, we're wondering if that's going to be greater potential for prolapse. And then if we talk about the attachment point onto the pelvic structure, we used to be taught that it was somewhere on the S2 to 4 um, portion of the sacrum. But newer research, the study is telling us that it's only attaching to the sacrum in 7% of the people studied in this um, study, uh, mostly at the level of two to four, but sometimes it's one to three. So as sacral segment one through three is where the uterosacral ligament um, attaches, and it can be medially or laterally on the sacrum. But in 82% of the people, the coccygeus sacrospinous complex is actually where it attaches into. And that is a huge number. So we really need to change the anatomy books, people, um, that showing the, uter the uterosacral ligament going back to the sacrum, uh, because really it doesn't. It goes into the coccygeus sacrospinous complex. And I remember Rachel talking about this, that anatomists or uh, surgeons doing surgery the coccygeus and the sacrospinous complex is so mushed together that they can't differentiate those two structures a lot of the time. And so that's why they're, it's called a complex now. And that's where the majority of the uterus sacral ligaments are attaching into. Um, it's, uh, there's also 11% of the people, um, it, attaches into the piriformis muscle or the ischial spine or the sciatic foramen. And so I'm, I'm curious if these people are more prone to having sciatica because of that attachment there. And um, so knowing this, I used to, when I was instructing my students to work with the uterosacral ligament externally, I was having them just tap into the sacrum but I've started to use a different handhold where I encompass more the ischium and the sacrum as well. And um, I have been able to appreciate on some of my clients as I'm working intravaginally, I started using two fingers to reach the cervix and really scoop around it to see if I can feel where the uterosacral ligament is attaching in my client. And um when the uterosacral ligaments are in balance, they're really challenging to to find because they're they're not um, they 
they're a little more mushy when they're balanced and normal. When they're in dysfunction, though, they're more like ropes. So they're easier to palpate when the ligament is in dysfunction. And so when I'm working on a dysfunctioned uh, ligament that's that feels tight, um, I'm really sensing with my outside hand um, as I tune into that uh, ligament internally to see where I feel the effect in my hand. And um, I have to say that um, I'm feeling it more in that coccygeus location. And um, one of the things that I really noticed, and for those of you listening to this podcast, um, you're going to have to use your anatomical knowledge to understand that. For those watching in video, I want to point it out into on these pelvic models. But if we think about the coccygeus and the sacrospinous uh, ligament and its orientation from tailbone out to the spinous process of um, the more ischial part of that bone, um, that's the mid-pelvis layer. Um, if that ischium is splayed, like I find it a lot in my postpartum clients, that ischio, uh, that coccygeus and sacrospinous ligament is going to be taut. And um, when that coccygeus and sacrospinous ligament are in tension, and we have that uterosacral ligament attaching into that structure, then that's going to activate the uterosacral ligament. So I had one client that was so clear um, that when I felt into and I was releasing her uterosacral ligament, I could feel it connecting into the coccygeus muscle there. And I stopped working on the uterosacral ligament and really made sure that that ischium was brought into midline to help soften that coccygeus and sacrospinous complex. And then that helped to release the uterosacral ligament even more. So it's important for us to understand the anatomy, understand where these structures may be attaching to and work with the bony attachment of those structures if they are influencing and impacting um, where those structures are attaching to. Uh, so that one case was really, really clear for me. I really felt it in my hands, the impact of a splayed ischium on the, the coccygeus muscle, the sacrospinous um, ligament complex, and its attachment and activation of the uterosacral ligament and bringing the bones back into its normal position, decrease that tension, which allowed that uterosacral ligament to relax more as well. And um, like I said earlier, when that uterosacral ligament is activated, there is irritation of the that hypogastric plexus, which irritates those tissues and helping that calm down. Once you release the uterosacral ligament, you go and re-examine re those tissues and the irritation is instantaneously gone. So um, when working with the uterosacral ligament, it's really important to use the middle finger because you're going to be able to reach up there. For those of you with shorter fingers, you can try having a posterior tuck of the pelvis. 
um, to, to try to bring the cervix down into your finger, or you can also offer some anterior pressure, inferior pressure on the lower abdomen to um, help that help bring the uterus down into your fingers internally as well. Um, so I just find that this uterosacral ligament is so, so important for really all of our postpartum clients, but really anyone <laughs> that the uterosacral ligament should be on our assessment piece in everyone with any vaginal issues and especially prolapse because the the uterosacral ligament can offer uh, support and um, tension to the cervix. And if it is too lengthened, we can just offer a little bit of, of loves and love to the tissues and that can help to shorten it, to retone those ligaments and can help bring the cervix back up into place. Um, so um, remember with birth, the the with pregnancy, I mean, the ligament definitely softens and lengthens. Um, and then during postpartum, it can return to its original firmness around four weeks postpartum, and it can stay lengthened up to a year postpartum. So um, another key piece for us to keep in mind that I remember from CSM is that um, the level of the cervix that stage one to stage two um, is that research is showing that stage two, maybe someone's normal. Like they, they researched and um, got peri um, people who peri null or sorry, nullis patients who haven't had babies before. And um, they're assessing them and noticing that their cervixes are, they start low. So um, we need to keep that in mind that some of us, some of our clients that have stage two or a high, I'm, I'm going to call it a high stage two because there's such a range for stage two positioning of the cervix in the vaginal vault. Um, but a high stage two may be someone's normal position. Uh, and after birth, we don't know what their normal is. And so it's just really kind of helped me to um, maybe not offer uh, as much um, awareness to my clients where I find them having a stage, a high stage two prolapse and, and thinking that they're on the verge of creating more of a prolapse. Um, I've really been, I've been focusing less on position of the cervix and more on um, exertion of where increased forces and pressures um bring the cervix down when they pressurize the area, that's more of an indicator for me versus just where the position of that cervix is because current research is showing us that um, some people's cervixes may, that may be normal as their high, you know, um, stage two is their normal position in there. So um, the uterosacral ligament is like this magic ligament of the pelvic region. And I really hope that you will learn how to assess it and how to treat it 
because it really does make some fabulous, fabulous changes in the entire vaginal vault. And um, it really is like magic when you get that to release. I remember one client that I was working with, I felt her cervix kind of off to the left and her left side uterosacral ligament had a lot more tone in it than the right side. And so I was just, you know, tuning into it and giving it some love as I like to do. And all of a sudden there was just this like bloop and the entire structure, just the cervix just like moved away from my finger and repositioned itself right into the midline. And I was just like blown away, like what just happened there? (laughs) Because it wasn't a, a gradual, slow, little melting release. It was just this like instantaneous, like bloop. And it moved into a whole new place. And it was just like, and then it was midline and it had good mobility. And I was like, whoa, that is pretty darn amazing. And I've just truly been amazed by the number of um, clients that I've worked with using that uterosacral ligament release and how much it has transformed their symptoms, their their health of their, their vaginal area, and also the Uh, tone of their pelvic floor muscles, the function of the pelvic floor muscles. Um, And oh, one other thing that I remember from Rachel's interview is her talking about how the uterosacral ligament is actually part of the drainage from the cervix. So I had someone reaching out in one of my groups talking about, you know, if someone has a cervical lip, during labor, what is it that, you know, we should, what structure should we be thinking about? And definitely the uterosacral ligament, if there's tightness or restriction in there, then there's a decreased ability for the drainage of the fluid from the cervix and the uterus to drain out of the the pelvis. So um, if there's a drainage issue in that area, we need to think about uterosacral ligament as well. So magical, magical structure in there. And um, if you haven't checked out my other podcast on the round ligament, um, I do a quick review of the round ligament and talk about that clinically as well. So please check out that podcast. And if you're interested in learning how to release the uterosacral ligament, my holistic treatment of the pregnant body course teaches you how to work with it externally and internally as well. Um, and the postpartum course, you learn how to work with it internally. So, um, please check that out. It is such an important structure. This needs to be in your wheelhouse if you want to have more effective treatments with your clients. Okay. So please check out those courses and I will see you all on the next episode. Here's to smoother bursts and faster recoveries. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Institute for Birth Healing. To discover more, visit instituteforbirthhealing.com. To claim $50 off of any online course, use coupon code PODCAST50 at checkout. Till next time, I'm Lynn Schulte, founder of the Institute for Birth Healing.